Yes, welcome along to edition number eight of the SSE or Trissy Lee podcast, courtesy of your good friends at News Talk 106 to 108. I could do voiceovers. You probably should, yeah. Yeah, I probably should look into that at some stage. You probably can't, though, because there'd be a massive conflict of interest being a news stroke sports guy and doing voiceovers, don't, right? Don't do news. Don't do news. Okay. Do I? No, I don't. I don't think I do. I've lost but track. Like, I mean, you couldn't feign excitement about something like a motorway station, could you? I absolutely could. Okay. Yeah, you'd want to believe it. Right. Episode 8, like we say, which brings us, we've pretty much been talking about pop culture references and how we've leveled slash bettered them. Um, you know, in the past, we pulled mm. level with the Cassidy's, we beat the Chevy Chase show now by several weeks at this stage. And now we are level with the number of episodes for the 1983 series, Manimal. Jonathan Chase, master of the secrets that divide man from animal. Animal from man. This is one that literally I had never heard of up until this morning when you mentioned it to me I thought you were talking about the Rob Schneider movie of same name I think. Uh, is there one called oh there probably is actually yeah, yeah, where he, no. he, he, um, he has the traits of a man and many animals and he uses those traits to comedic effect. Well there is no comedic, comedic effect. effect. There is no intentional comedic effect in the 1983 hit series Manimal starring Peter McCorkendale. Now I was kind of looking at McCorkendale and going, listen, mate, you're in Hollywood. Change your name a little bit. You know, have it as like Peter Cork. You know, something punchy. Three syllables. Boom. In and out. No, he kept it at McCorkendale. Uh, he starred in Manimal. He was also, though, married to not one, but two notable actresses from their day. Uh, one of them, Fiona Fullerton, who you may know from necking James Bond in The Spy Who Loved Me. Yes. And also Susan George. But there you go. And we Peter, are level. Peter Cork, um, I didn't recognise him. McCorkendale. Sorry, we're, to- we're, we're changing his name. <laughs> He's probably, dead. Yeah. It's probably so not fair. Posthumously, not too much use to him. But um, I recognised him straight away, even though I didn't recognise the show. He starred in Jaws 3. Jaws So he had a history three. of working with animals. Jaws 3 he back played in the a habit. Bear Gryllis type millionaire who used to go around the world making documentaries and uh, guess what happened to him in Jaws he got eaten he got eaten that serves him right uh, yeah lots to come up this week first of all well not first of all Oshin has been down amongst the Dundalk masses who were up in Tala for their game with Shamrock Rovers which did not go in Rovers favour in fact the week hasn't and we'll reflect on that as well and also we'll speak to a man who has played for both sides who are in action on Monday night that's Dan Murray you may know him from Cork City you may know him from Shamrock Rovers everyone's going here's Most the gaffer quick some interesting stuff from Dan on the way this week but first let's round up the week's news with this man Oshin. Derry are second in the league ahead of Friday's meeting at home to Sligo Rovers but manager Kenny Shields says too many games are squeezed into too short a space of time. Now it's not that he doesn't like Packy from Drive 105 but he feels maybe they're getting too familiar. It means you and I Packy are meeting each other far more my wife thinks I'm having an affair. So who's this Packy guy? No but we, uh, you're right it's, it's too much. It's not it's not it's not right because players need what what people don't understand who's ever organising these fixtures are that players have to have time to recover between games with three high intensity Premier League games against Premier League opponents the Saturday game against Longford should have been Friday there's no question of that and uh, I asked for that. I asked the people, I says, make sure 
see if we can get it changed to Friday because you know it's having it's going to have an adverse effect on on the young players and it is you know they were running an empty and I'm I'm sorry but it defies logic. Stewie Byrne and Emmett Malone of the Irish Times took up Shields' point on Off the Ball's regular League of Ireland Tuesday chat. I think it hits Derry City particularly hard, obviously because of the excessive travelling that's required due to their geographical situation. But it's no, no different for the likes of for Cork or, or some of the other teams that are further from Dublin. Um, but it has been an issue, yeah, it certainly has. Ever since they congested the league into a, a shorter period, um, they've effectively tried to kind of sandwich in games. I mean... These are all league games, and of course, and you have league cup games on top of that, and you've got the FAI Cup starting as well. I, I, I think, as well as the the, the fact that it um, it fatigues the players, I think the bigger the biggest damage it does is actually to the attendances of the games sure. because you find that supporters sure. don't tend to go to the the lesser games, so to yeah, speak, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it really affects you know in terms of the club's income and what they can generate from 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 the, the so-called smaller games, I think it has a big effect. The clubs themselves want to make the, the season shorter. They're kind of anxious. And, and the FEI, in their defence, you know, will say will say this, that they, they're under pressure from the clubs to keep the season tight. Um, they want the player, the clubs only want to pay the players for 40 weeks. The only way to do that is have a, you know, a, whatever it is, a 33-week season, 34-week season. And so the only way you can do that is to is to pile in games. You have to have X number of, uh, I think it's five midweek uh, uh, sections and you have to play the League Cup midweek and, and that's going to happen. And I was talking to Kenny Shields at the draw. They got draw to United at home. And this, again, was absolutely what he was talking about. He was talking about the fact that if they'd got Cork or Limerick away, um, they would have been on the road uh, doing serious distances yeah. three weeks in a row and uh, and he was very concerned about that going into going into the draw so I'm he was very relieved Emmett and Stewie on off the ball now Sligo make the trip to Derry that we mentioned this weekend off the back of a 3-0 win against Longford at the showground last week Critaro among the scorers there while John Russell also played his part here's Dave Robertson speaking to Ocean FM about some of his more experienced campaigners. It's always great to get the old and bold in. I thought Raf uh, was exceptional again. In all of the three games that he's played in this week, he's put in an unbelievable, an unbelievable shift. Uh, and so did John Russell. And um, I thought Liam Martin's pace um, really caused problems this evening. And, and the same thing, you know, players like that are going to be key to us throughout the season. And uh, to have their experience, to have their energy, to have their quality, and, and to see all of that come together tonight was fantastic. Cork City are looking for three league wins in a row at Turner's Cross after victories over Finn Harps and Shamrock Rovers on Friday and Monday. They scored five goals in those two games. City goal scorer from Monday, Stephen Beatty, says the home base is building. This place is a fortress and I, I've played with Bowes down here I've played for Sligo down here. It's a tough place to come and, and if you're suddenly two behind like a Friday night, if you're two down after eight minutes after travelling from Donegal, you're not getting back into that game. Yeah. Same at Rovers, first minute you know they're, they're struggling a bit at the moment and for us to score early then that, that's a bit in the head then and we kicked on and thought we'd seen the game out well Shamrock Rovers host Bray this Friday in a must win game following losses to Dundalk and Cork Stewie Byrne told off the ball what the hoops desperately need an own here type of player somebody that just takes over you know and you, you have players like that that just take over the dressing room um, command respect um, and really lead by how they play. So, you know, if it's not your night, we just sit in, we, we take the points, you know, don't concede, that kind of stuff. Um, and unfortunately, you know, that was still on the cards at half time in the game on, on Friday. And they came out and they started the game like, I don't know what got into their heads, but they were just running around like headless chickens for the first yeah. minute trying to chase the ball. And all of a sudden, right. they got completely caught. The whole, nearly whole, the whole team got caught on one side of the pitch and it all opened up on the far side. and 
eventually led to the goal right. um, and didn't need to do it. Yeah. They just needed to sit in, get their shape right and get themselves going from there. So that, that's where there's a little bit of naivety in, in, that needs to be rectified there. Longford rock bottom on five points after their 3-0 defeat to Sligo last week. Here's their manager Tony Cousins on his current squad. You know, people have spoke about, you know, oh, well, some of the players are very young but for our club we don't want to bring in 11, 12, 30 year olds. I don't think it's I don't think it's healthy at any club. You need to bring in players that you can try build team in, and I think we've got that combination there. We've been unlucky, as I said early on in the season, that with a few experienced players, but we only had another roster that was out from from last week's uh, team. So we've got to try deal with that, but we didn't tonight. Um, the first half we didn't show the intensity. We didn't get on the ball enough uh, and to keep it well enough and passed the ball and uh, we waited till the second half to uh, to show what we can be and you know second half there wasn't much in the game but you know you look was that because Sligo took the foot off the pedal or was it that we were a lot better but I think I, I think we were a lot better second half ah! <laughs> oh, uh, thank you Roddy and thank you Oisin for rounding up the week's news uh, Roddy at the centre of one of the biggest pieces of news of the week as well of course we should mention this we have reached out to Roddy in an attempt yes. to get some clarification on this and as of time of recording nothing back yet from the man himself the Waterford United manager is trying to raise funds much needed as they are and we've heard this before last week as well uh, Waterford United not in the best of states at the moment in the first division uh, so to alleviate their financial stress Roddy decided via the medium of Buzz.ie to challenge FAI Chief Executive John Delaney to a white-collar boxing match this week. Was she? That's just ridiculous. I don't think there's a creature I, I, alive who doesn't want to see this. I actually don't want clarification on this because if either of the parties say it's not going to happen, then it ends the dream. Whereas if yeah. we don't get clarification, Still we can alive. talk about it, we can imagine what kind of fight it might be, we can build it up in our minds and indeed on our podcast. For me, this is bigger than McGregor Diaz too. Uh, Roddy says, I want to stage the bout in the Woodlands Hotel in Waterford. He even has a location for it. Yes. Uh, three rounds to see. John, given the training requirements, can choose the date. He's being as open as he can be here. So, you know, John, if you want to get in touch via this podcast, you can do. It'd be great crack and for a great cause. Of course, Roddy banned for six matches and fined 1,500 quid the club are uh, for statements that he made in his column in the Irish Daily Star. But yeah, he says, we need support. We need fans living in Waterford all around the country and abroad to come together and ensure a stable future. He says, people might think I'm kidding or that this is a hangover from my recent dealings with the FAI, but it's not. And you'd be a fool and a communist to think so, Oshin. If anything, did he, sorry, I'm did Roddy actually use the term communist? No, okay. I'm making that up. Uh, Roddy versus JD. Three rounds in the Woodlands Hotel. We'll pack the place out and all for a brilliant cause. We could secure the future of the club in one night, and one in which Delaney was involved with before. So it's fully in your court, JD. It's been thrown to you, JD, and obviously the fight would have to go on in the Woodlands because the Linton Travel Tavern is unavailable due to the Crystal Bla Festival. Roddy has a history in white-collar boxing. You remember there was some controversy. Was it when he was in charge of Rovers, he left the game slightly early to get to an event? And I have my own history with Roddy in white-collar boxing. You fought Roddy. I didn't fight Roddy. I was trained by Roddy and uh, Mick Carruth. And uh, what's his name? Paul Griffin, the guy who fought in the 1992 Olympics. Remember the guy who went mad when he was... um, he, was, he, well, he wasn't disqualified, but he was told, look, you can't continue, and he was fine. Okay. Went on to win a European title. Anyway, I fought under those guys at a white-collar event, and I fought none other than Big Brothers, Risha. 
the Ray Shah, by the way. From uh, Big from Brother. Ray Shah's history on Big Brother, I think it's probably better off that he did have gloves on, if we're being quite honest. <laughs> Come on, don't, don't have a go. We all do that. Go, go on, Big, Big Brother, Brother, I mean. Yeah, clearly, yeah, we do. Box, yeah. It is guest time. Though here in the podcast, Cork City's record European goal scorer Dan Murray. Dan, how are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks, mate. I'm the record, it's not very many goals, so it's not much of a record. It's only about three goals, four goals. Were you aware of that fact before now? <laughs> yeah, well, everyone keeps reminding me because it's so <laughs> small. I think it's just more of a more of a laughing matter than an actual record, really. L- but listen, Dan, it's something it's nice like, to have. Yeah, it's, it's something the likes of Dave Barry will never have. He might have a goal against Bayern Munich, uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah. is he Cork City and an all Ireland goal scorer and an all Ireland? But is he the all-time leading goal scorer in Europe for Cork City? No, Definitely this man not. is exactly. So congratulations on that, Dan. At the very least, yes. Thanks very much. Let's talk about Cork City, Dan. Two games over the last uh, couple of days, or two games last weekend, I should say. One on Friday night, one on Monday night. Um, they have been playing well. Yeah, I think uh, after after the few draws that they had, I think they, they definitely needed, needed to, to win the two games. Really, to be honest, just to just to probably uh, put a bit of pressure, probably take a little bit of pressure off them. So uh, I was at the Rovers game and. They, they fully deserve to win, really. I think the, obviously they scored very early in the game. Was game was pretty much up after after the first ten minutes, really. So uh, yeah, looking good. I think this. Uh, I was probably speaking. I was speaking to a few few other people. I think it's probably the the strongest squad Corks had for probably close, close to ten years, really. That I can remember. I think uh, they've got uh, even even the, you look at the bench that they had the other night is. Uh, it's, it's, it's very strong, and uh, I think you could, you take one player out, and you can pretty much replace him with ugly as good, really. Back to Cork's current form in a moment, but is it strange for you to talk about Cork as a pundit? I mean, you're not long out of it. You were there right up until the cup final, and uh, you're kind of getting used to becoming a Cork fan at the moment. I imagine that's kind of surreal. Oh, it is, yeah, it is. It's, it's definitely certainly different. I think I've uh, I haven't been to all the games. I sort of thought about it and taken a good bit. Of Step back, really. I don't want to. I think I'd, I think I'd miss it more if I was, uh, if I was going down there every week and uh, probably still talking to a lot of the players. So I've taken a step back, but it is, it's, it's definitely de- different. You've uh, been so long, been talking about it and playing it and being part of uh, probably everything, everything about Cork City. So it's, uh, uh, it's been, uh, it's, 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 it's been strange, but it's, uh, it's I. I can honestly say I, I haven't missed it as as much as I thought I was going to miss it. So uh, so far, so good, really. I was just going to say, Dan, it's not been a difficult adjustment for you so far. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I think uh, I, to, to be honest, I, uh, I I definitely I missed I missed the games and all that, but it's uh, the training, the travelling. I can honestly say I haven't really missed that really too much. So uh, I think I was lucky that I I had a job that I could. Uh, that I had had before I retired, so I think if I'd retired and I didn't have anything to do after that, I think uh, it would have been more of a struggle. Do you still take criticism of Cork City or observations about Cork City, good or bad, personally? Because, as we say, you're not far removed. You know the management well. You know many of the players well. Uh, when someone says, "Ah, City weren't great the other night," they might have said that. We'll say, for example, after the, the, the draw at Wex- with Wexford at home, do you is your first instinct to still kind of defend them as one of the players or is it you know actually yeah you're right they weren't that great and it's kind of a compliment to them to say they weren't that great because they expect so much of themselves and you know that better than anyone 
Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it's 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 uh, it's you definitely think about it because you still I arguably know all the players. So if they're probably if they're slagging individual players off, I I, I say say something. But but yeah, you, you have to listen to the supporters. Really, they all have their own opinion, and as a supporter now, my my opinion is the same as some of them, or or maybe different. So that's that's part of football. I, th- I think mainly. I think uh, I think uh, that I think the the hopes of for the team and what everyone expects of them now is is going up every every year. I think obviously after finishing second the last couple of years, I think they definitely they probably need to win the trophy sooner or later because uh, people are expecting it uh, probably to, to come sooner rather than later. Really, so I think the the expectations is going up uh, every every week really now. Dan, without wanting to dub a minute, Stewie Byrne, who's a regular guest of a Tuesday night and off the ball, often claims that with Cork and their lack of titles in recent years, it's down to a mentality issue. Now, you've been in that dressing room. You've uh, captain the side. You've kind of seen more than most uh, down in Cork and on Lee side. Is there a mentality issue that prevents Cork from making that final step towards league championships on cups, etc.? Or is it something just the fact that Dundalk are just better at the moment? Um, I definitely don't think it's, it's a mentality thing. I think uh, the arguably the, the, the team that was made made up of last year and the year before, there wasn't much experience of uh, of winning titles really. And I think we came up against one of the one of the better better teams that have been in the league over the last five or six years. So uh, that that's part of it. I, I think it's a bit it's uh, it's it's definitely not a mentality thing. I think it's uh, it's Something you, you can you either you either it either happens for you or it doesn't happen. I don't think you can ever blame it on on mentality. I think uh, the, the year that we went uh, closest a couple of years ago, I think any uh, on another day it might have gone the other way and people wouldn't have been been saying things like that. But uh, it's just one of those things. I think it's uh, Dundalk have been the best team over the last two years. Simple as that. Really, it's, it's the if all the other teams have to catch up with them really now and uh, that's, that's going to take a bit of doing but uh, I think the mentality part of it is not thing, one thing that uh, Cork City have to worry about really. It's kind of similar with this bunch of players to 2005. In the previous years to 2005 under Pat Dolan you went close then, Pat went and Damien came in, he changed things around, you got over the line and if you look at it this season it's kind of similar. Okay, different in the fact that it's the same manager but he has tweaked the style he he does look like he's trying to change things and you've come close or Cork have come close in the last couple of years would you think that's a, a fair similarity yeah, yeah or a fair definitely. comparison I, think, I should I, say yeah I think so I think when John came came in into the club I think the last the two years before that we'd we'd finished six in the league which is what we were very probably poor poor seasons but uh, to be honest, the, the first year, the, I don't think anyone expected, even in the change room, that we'd be fighting for the title so closely. Probably with the squad of players we had, we had a very small group of players. We probably only used 14, 15 players there. But as as the two years have gone on, I think uh, he's improved the squad, just bringing in few a few a few players in. And then this year now, I think he's sort of he's gone for he's gone slightly different from what he had before. He's he's gone for the younger probably I don't know if you call it hungrier players or, or what you call it but I think the players that he's brought in they, they've all got 
something to prove. And, and he's uh, brought in a variety of players as well, Dan. I mean, that kind of goes back to the point we're making about him maybe tweaking the style a little bit. And we've seen that more so in the last two games than the first couple of games. And it was always going to take time. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably one thing, especially when I was there last year, we were probably, uh, we didn't have as many attacking options as we really would want to. We were pretty set in to, to get the best, uh, our best striker last year was Mark, Mark, Mark Sullivan. And the, the best way of getting the best out of him is getting the ball into him early. And that's, that's what we've done. And it was pretty successful. But I think John C, probably from, the way the, the, the league's going and probably try and take the good things of Dundalk that you need to have a little bit more than that and I think it's the most attacking options I can remember Cork having having for for a good bit and they're all they're, they all bring something slightly different there's there's you couldn't really say any of the players are the same and they've they've got goals they've got an assist in them and so far so good I think I. I believe that they'll get better over the course of the season because I still think John's probably still looking for his, from watching him a few times, still looking for his his best best 11, but it's not far away at the minute, I think. Yeah, this past week kind of proves that they are on the right track after those three draws in the league. Dan, you mentioned John. What kind of a manager is John Caulfield? We see him quite animated on the sideline from time to time, but what's he like in the dressing room and on the training pitch as well? Yeah, it's, it's pretty much similar. I think uh, he, he's he's passionate about Football. He's even more passionate about Cork City and uh, what they, where they should be, and what how the team should be playing. I think he his his one thing that he will only tolerate is that you're fully committed to the team and the club, and you'll give everything that way. And that that probably comes across from his personality. He's one of the best motivating managers that I've I've played under, and like you say, I think. There's not probably many managers that have the same passion for their club that John would have. So I think that comes across in the way that he wants his team to play and that, and they do play. And I think like he, he's probably grown into the role role as well, having like European games to concentrate on, dealing with full-time footballers, which are probably completely different to players that he was looking after in uh, in the non-league scene. So I think he's, he's only going to get better and... In, in that way I think Cork are only going to get better over the years with, with him in, in charge really he's, uh, he definitely is going to do it his way and to, I think that, that that's working for the club at the minute Yeah there seems to be a bit of mutual faith going on between I suppose Caulfield and indeed a board level that they're happy enough to you know let him build a squad that they think will win league championships and he's happy enough as well to develop his own style of play too because he has moved on from what Cork were playing on the pitch the last couple of years and he's tried to instill I suppose a more attacking bias this year oh yeah definitely I think it's it was it had to be done I think everyone's we probably probably found out in the in the cup final there that we were probably we were we were second best to Dundalk last year in the cup and in the league so he knew he had to change things he he went about that he he's changed he's probably changed the squad around more more than what he expected probably expected to do but the, like the players he brought in uh, 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 started really well so I think it's going going for him so far I think like you say the, it, it's hard to know when you bring players in how they're going to react to moving down to court because you don't really get too many people move from say Dublin or say Derry with Dooley coming down to court so you never know how they're how they're going to react to to the change to change and 
Uh, I definitely think they'll they'll get better as the season goes on. I think it's just whether they can stay close enough to to Dundalk to to put a challenge on them. I think. Dan, I want to ask you about Shamrock Rovers. I guess as a as a City fan, when we talk about the legend that is Dan Murray, we always say former Cork City and Shamrock Rovers player Dan Murray. <laughs> um, but look, you had a great time at Shamrock Rovers. They're a club who are struggling in a result sense over the last couple of games. You had a good look at them on uh, Monday night. Um, from from what you saw there, what do you think isn't happening for them at the moment? We heard Stewie Byrne say earlier on that maybe they need an own Heary type and they need a, a leader in that sense. Uh, would you agree with those comments? Yeah, definitely. I definitely think uh, like when they went uh, one nil down, two nil down, you, you could see. Oh well, I, it looked like they were never going to get back into the into the football match. So they definitely, they definitely, definitely need a leader, and I think uh, their back four looked uh, uh, pr- pretty poor. Poor the other night. Well, you we could probably count the goalkeeper, and the back four didn't play very well at all. And if you haven't got uh, that playing well, you definitely whatever you do, the other way is not going to help. And they definitely need a leader back there, someone who can. Uh, I don't know. It's like it's uh, easy to say when you're sitting in the stands, but they they look like they they could do with someone like Owen Heary to probably drag him along or just talk talk him through the game every now and again. So, uh, like you said, the results have been poor the last uh, couple of games, but uh, it, it's it's hard to know with him really. I just, I just definitely wasn't their, their best team that he put out against Cork City on Monday night. I think that's probably going to be a big thing for Rose if they have their best team out. Like you see the result against Bowes the week before, I think uh, they'll be alright. They've got goals in them, but the team that was out the other night didn't really look very dangerous. And if you if you concede the goals that they are and you're struggling to score, it's, it's a tough league to, to be in. Is their current squad good enough to compete with Cork and Dundalk? And I suppose you can even throw Derry, given how well they've performed so far this season. Is it good enough, given they're what, um, uh, seven I, points it, off the top already? Yeah, from speaking, just from watching them, and no, I don't don't know. It's bad. Like since I was at Shamrock, there's only one player left. So from just watching them from the outside, I, I don't think they can put a challenge on to win the league. Just from looking from the outside, I think uh, it's uh, the, the, the squad just doesn't seem strong enough to be able to say cope when you have a couple of suspensions and injuries that that they can they can. I think Rovers in years past could come down to Cork and at worst uh, think they can get a draw out of the game. Whereas Monday night, I think even from in well, obviously after 30 seconds, I think the game was up from really. They were they were never going to win the match or even draw the match looking at it. So I don't think they can put a challenge on this year. I think uh, they're, they're definitely a few, player, few players short of uh, that. That's got to be a galling scenario for a Shamrock Rovers fan who's, I suppose we mentioned it in the podcast uh, last week or the week before, where we said they're used to winning things, they're used to playing a decent style of football, to look at a squad and within 30 seconds of a game against the league champions, know that you're not going to win this one and you, it's kind of borne out with Gary McCabe's tackling and sending off. It's got to be uh, kind of thumb to the nose of, of people who think that Shamrock Rovers are going to be title challengers for the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Well, especially the, how the supporters are. They're very uh, passionate and they they expect to be Winning things year on year, and uh, I don't think, uh, I think they're, they're definitely putting a lot, of mo- a good bit of money into the into the squad. So uh, I think the fans expect them definitely to be challenging. But uh, I think it's it, it's, well, it's it's hard to hard to get the right players in. All that it's just uh, 
it looks like they're definitely lacking lacking a few players and uh, it's, it's hard to know. They'll probably have to get rid of players before they can get players in. So that's that's even hard, harder again. Yeah. So it's it's like I don't think top three or four is probably good enough. Probably even for the <laughs> you hardly be say it's probably not good enough. The supporters won't expect that, and like they won't just stand by and let the let the team and the, the manager be happy to finish third or fourth. Really. Yeah, well, I could even see it against Dundalk on Friday night. A lot of fans getting tetchy, a lot of Rovers fans and letting the management and maybe even some of the club administrators know about it. Dan, just before I let you go, Kenny Shields has said it's difficult for Derry that too many games are squeezed into uh, too short a space of time. A lot of people say Derry are are at a massive disadvantage because they have so much travelling to do. And I guess it's similar with Cork City. They have a lot of travelling to do, granted on better roads than Derry, but... Compare your time with Cork to your time at Shamrock Rovers. Did you get more rest in when you were playing with Rovers because you didn't have to travel as much? Did it make a, a difference to you? What What are your thoughts on it? Uh, yeah, definitely. I think it's uh, like I say from we talked spoke about it just off air that yeah, the travelling when I when I started the roads were pretty pretty bad. So yeah. I took to Dublin was even uh, a, a, bad, a bad day out really. But these days uh, you get used to it. I think when you're playing for for either team, like I say, if there's uh, people probably from Cork and Derry try not to talk about it too much because it looks like you're, you're you're moaning too much. You arguably it is what it is. You're in the you're in the League of Ireland. You're in the top league. You're going to be travelling if you if you want to be competing. I think uh, I think when I was at Shamrock Rovers, I think it was there was even less travelling because Derry and Cork had gone into meltdown so they were in the first division so we didn't even have to go that far I think our furthest trip was uh, Sligo and that road was seemed to, seemed to be fine so it, and the rest of the teams it was arguably an M50 league because the furthest you were going was Dundalk or, or Bray so mm. there was even less travelling and like I say I yeah. think you, you forget how much travelling the Corks and the Derrys do you're on the bus over time when you're playing for Shamrock Rovers or the Dublin clubs you're you're in your own car. You're driving, driving to to half the away games. So yeah. it does make a big difference. But I think the players of Derry and Cork are well used to it by yeah. by this stage. If 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 they've been doing it for a while, I think yeah. it's it's part part of part of being a Cork City player. Really, you get used get used to it. Probably makes the the home journey a, a little bit sweeter after if you, if you get a decent result. Yeah, these young players and fans, they don't know the <laughs> mix that is joy and misery being caught in Abbey Leaks on the way to or from Cork Stroke Dublin. Uh, Richie, did I ever tell you why Dan is my favourite Cork City Stroke, ex-Cork City player? Because he's on the line he now. Because he's on the line. Of every player, is he? He well, pretty, no. pretty much has Dan, to be honest no. with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's disgraceful. <laughs> you want to hear what he said to Pat Morley a few weeks ago? It's just <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, it's because the day I was leaving Red FM in Cork, Dan turned up live in studio. A big surprise for me. Do I want to hear the, the rest present. of this, Dan? Oh, with the present. Yeah, no, yeah. He presented me a present live on air. Ah. Wasn't that nice? You don't remember that, Dan, do you? I do. I do. I, it was, weren't really a great present, but it was probably it, the present that you'd use the most, I'd say, was it? It was at the time. It was a crate of beer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dan obviously knew his audience quite well there because exactly, of the yeah. night... Cork City won the league. I rang Dan and rang George O'Callaghan separately in a tired and emotional state, Enjoy. expressing my joy. 
So uh, better man, we, we miss you spinning around on Turner's Cross on, on a, a nightly basis there. Dan, I was a young man back then. I, I needed to get through college. Listen, Dan Murray, thank you very much for joining us on the uh, News Talk SSE Electricity League podcast. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often. Thanks to Dan. Some really interesting stuff there, particularly on Rovers and their current standing in the league. As we mentioned, seven points off the top. Those two defeats back-to-back this week, not so good for them. And on the way, though, uh, Bray Wanderers, who themselves are, I suppose you could say, in a more perilous state uh, this season with Mick Cook departing and things seemingly as uncertain as ever behind the scenes. What we should do is say, Bray, of course, managed by, and then say a series of names <laughs> and edit that as the week goes on. Yeah, That's what we should do. I Bray, think, managed by. I think by the end of this season, given their managerial yeah. track record over the past two seasons in particular, we have a decent shot at seeing out the season of Bray. <laughs> listen, if those are in charge listening into this podcast, so we could give it a decent yeah, we'd give it a decent go. We'll keep you in the Premier Division, guaranteed. And we can make the Carlisle Grounds warmer for visiting supporters. Um, I'm actually equidistant between Bray and Tala Stadium, so either of those clubs, either of those clubs, would suit me. I'm probably close to Cabin Teeley as well, actually, uh, and UCD since I live in Dundrum. Well, fair enough. Wow. I think I think to be honest with you, though, Bray is probably the more likely option, at least to be short term as well. I so do like the seaside, yeah, we do. We all do some decent ships out there too. I remember actually walking through Bray once during my short term with East Coast Radio, and someone threw. A snowball with a stone in it. This wasn't, by the way, a Bray Wanderers fan. Don't be terrible. This was not Bray at a Bray match. This was, not, this was actually off season. You're, no. as ba- you're as bad as the national media, and there's any bit of trouble to get you. are like, oh, one snowball with a stone, and Bray Wanderers deserve to go down. Do. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what you should take from it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Bray fans, be offended by that, because that quite clearly is exactly oh, what I meant. Suck. Right, you've been out and about again this week. You were uh, at Tala for that Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers game. I have. I spoke to Dundalk fans a couple of weeks ago at St. Pat's, actually, when they won 4-0 about their favourite venue. But then I accidentally wiped the recording. So, this week I spoke to the Dundalk fans at Shamrock Rovers about their favourite venue and why. Edit. Tala, best why? pitch. What do you make of the atmosphere here? It's a good atmosphere, but we're bringing the atmosphere. Is that always or tonight? No, always. They're best fans in the country, without doubt. Without doubt. Well, you're supporting Dundalk, but that's not a Dundalk accent. No, it's a Dublin accent. Why Dundalk? And listen, I say this as a Cork City supporting Waterford man. Are you? I am, yeah. Long story. <laughs> uh, no, um, my son plays for Dundalk, so... Oh, very good. Is he out there tonight? Yeah, he's out there. Who, who's your son? Uh, Dane Massey. Ah, he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing well. United Park. Why? Local derby. Dundalk and, and Drada. Uh, way day, Turner's Cross. Why? Atmosphere, good crowd, always packed. What good about this place, Tala? It's grand, yeah, it's grand, yeah. It's going to be better, but very windy, always windy. Definitely, Turner's Cross. Why? Why? Because the dock always went down in Turner's Cross, that's why. That's why. Champions of Ireland, we know what we are. But it must be something to do with the actual venue itself, not just the results. Venue itself, go for an atmosphere, probably Fibsborough, Bowes. Because it's so it's so compact, it's unbelievable, you know. Pats three Insecore. weeks ago, Insecore three weeks Four ago, four nil. Come Must on! Must score the best goal the league of Ireland ever seen in Insecore. How many passes? How many passes was it? 38, 42? Yeah. It was a four one. Sean Gannon. 
Yeah. Do you remember that goal? I do, I was there. I you was know there. what I mean? What a yeah. fantastic goal. In fact, I actually spoke to Dundalk fans that night about their favourite away venue, but then I accidentally wiped the recording. So, oh. it's here tonight. I didn't get what it deserved. I didn't. If it was Rovers a scoring, it would be still going there. Fantastic. If, if, that, if that happened in La Liga, if that happened in the Premiership, it'd be talked about for non-stop. Just because the League of Ireland. Listen. We play in the greatest league of in the world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Fantastic sport, pure passion. Come on. You ain't get this in England, you ain't get this in Spain. Lads, I'm glad I accidentally wiped the recording. This was destiny meeting you two guys. You know what I mean? No, but honestly, all my life I followed them running, I followed them yeah. Trotter, watching them at home. Years ago and, when we were in actually dire straits. To where we are now, it's fantastic. Come on. So you followed them in the first division? I followed yes, them everywhere. Definitely, all the way. Why why? Why, why? why would you follow a team in the first division? It's a wasteland. Why? That was a graveyard. It was a graveyard. I, I went to Finn Harps. I went to Atlone. I went to Mullingar. Like, we were everywhere. We went yeah. down the cove to watch us lose the league. Come everywhere. On. Everywhere. Yeah, done it in Kildare. Come on. Like, I was in Kildare when we won promotion to see Shell. Pop that Unbelievable. Shell's one of the best teams in the league back then to where we are now, eight years later. Shell's still there now. Back to back League of Ireland champions. What's the best night you've had following Dundalk? It was possibly, uh, possibly winning, winning the first division. Fantastic, really was. Better than winning the Premier? Why? Better than winning the Premier. Because getting out of that graveyard meant more than anything. Eight the years. The thing that ever happened to Dundalk was Stephen Kenny signing. Eight years, eight years in the graveyard. Seriously. Like for, for a town like Dundalk, the biggest town in Ireland. Like Thick. The biggest town in Ireland. And the best football team in, in the country. Yeah. What was your favourite night following Dundalk? Same night? Favourite night? No. My, I'm stuck between Cork or home and Tala here last year to win the league. Yeah, and it is no wonder that they would have favourite grounds because it's on the road that Dundalk have prospered in the last couple of years. It's September 2014 was the last time they won or lost I should say away from Oriel Park which is a fantastic record and has gone a long way towards back-to-back league championships and I suppose they're heading for that yet again 22 points in their nine games so far two clear of Derry four clear of Cork five ahead of Galway and Pats and Rovers are now kind of in this own little middle table of their own the table you mentioned the last time Dundalk lost away from home guess who that was against I, I think I know this go on have a guess Give me a B. It was Bohemians. Give me an O. No, stop that because you know many League of Ireland fans can't spell. Guess who they face this weekend? It is the Mighty Bows. It is in Dalyman Park. I and Mighty Bows who haven't been so mighty in the last couple of weeks, so they yeah. need a mighty performance. Back to back defeats for Keith Longsides, and they've been a bit anemic uh, injury wise. Ishmael Akinadi tweeting during the week that he suffered a hamstring injury as well, which yeah. is going to uh, shear them of a striker. And judging by Curtis Burns' shot in front of goal against Derry away from home last week, the air shot. Air shot, as Siobhan Madigan said on yeah. Soccer Republic. Rather cool. took a bad bounce. It didn't. It was just a gammy. It just goes gammy to show shot. that can happen on grass pitches as well as, are we calling it a synthetic pitch or a 4G pitch? 4G. Surely we're at 5G at this stage. Uh, or is that phone coverage I'm thinking? No, of? you're thinking of phone co- No, we're not even at that in phone coverage. Catch up, Ireland. We're 4G on phone coverage and pitches then. Yeah. Parity. Phone two great rivals is made of the same things that the pitch is made out of. Wow! Because anytime I'm on the phone, I I take the phone away from my ear and I have those plastic pellets in my ear. It's really annoying. That's because of where you sleep at night. Anyway, Stephen O'Donnell, he's been a big part of this Dundalk. Will I say resurgence? No, it's not a resurgence anymore because they're, anymore. They're, they're, no. they're two in a row champions. Um, and of course, they're going for a third title in a row. And I say resurgence because, as we heard from some of the Dundalk fans. There, they, like they, they spend a long, long time in the 
surrounds and the 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 bleak landscape of the first division. Mm. And even before that, it was tough for them. And I mean, uh, you know, it, like the days of the early nineties, ninety one was it seemed like a long, long time ago. Yeah, they, they've had these periods of time, Dundalk, where they've been tremendously successful, mm. but they've also had these long periods where they've been down in the dumps and that's why I think their fans get so behind them when they're successful because they know it can go especially in the League of Ireland it can go like that well any team can tell you that exactly you know, dr- their neighbours could tell you that Bows can tell you that even I suppose to a degree now as well Shamrock Rovers will tell you that there isn't one team actually in the league that haven't gone through an immensely dark period yeah. you could argue that it's been dark for more of these teams for longer than it has light yeah anyway Stephen O'Donnell he is playing a real captain's role for Dundalk at the moment cheers for that Cheering what? us all up. Okay, <laughs> anyway. So, no, I'm just saying, enjoy the light while it's there. The evenings are getting long. That doesn't last forever. Grand stretch. The winter comes sooner than you think. The time changes and then you're in the first division. Anyway, Stephen O'Donnell. I need a point. Uh, what, a, what, a, what a role he's playing for Dundalk this season and, of course, in the previous seasons. The Goway man really leading from the front and Dundalk leading from the front two points clear playing balls this weekend likely to get the win I've been oh. talking to him about their performances so far this season Richie Towle who's gone missing and surprisingly he's actually open to talk about it I was like when I brought it up with him oh, I kind of have to bring it up he knows I have to bring it up we both know we have to talk about it but really is he sick of it he actually wasn't anyway we'll get to that in a second first though I asked how they feel about leading the league from the front especially this early Edit. you look in control in games I mean even the one, the only one you've lost in the league so far against Cork City you were unlucky it was a penalty you had the bulk of the possession the bulk of the chances where does that control come from? I suppose uh, having decent players always helps and we have confidence in, in each other and in ourselves uh, I agree with you the Cork game people were making out that Cork came with some sort of all different game plan that, but for the first half and for the, first, for the whole game there's only one team trying to play I thought and they got a breakaway and a penalty but that's that's in the past I think we just try and we have no fear we don't sit off teams so we just try and put our own stamp on every game and uh, try and dominate possession and as I said we don't sit back and let the other team get and get a foothold of the game so you know that helps and uh, we're always on the front foot and you know if another team plays against us and beats us fair play you know but they're going to have to play well and we're going and we're going to make sure they work hard for the victory you're out in front now you're going for a third title in a row how does leading from the front suit this team yeah well, I think we led for most of the way uh, last season and even the season before I think we were in front the long way and then sort of gave it up to Cork coming into the last week of the season but uh, last season we were leading from quite a long way it, it doesn't really matter to us where where we're positioned but I suppose it puts up more pressure on other teams you know when they're playing on a Friday night and they're thinking we can't afford to make a mistake because we're already a few points behind so there is there is a bit of solace for us in that uh, we just go out and play our normal game and as I said we just treat every game the same on its own merits we don't really think about the league table or that but obviously you'd rather be in front than a few points behind How sick and tired are you on a scale of 1 to 10 of people saying oh how will they replace Richie Tell where will the goals come from because so far the answer has kind of been pretty obvious that the goals are being scored Yeah well like it, it's, a, it's a valid question you know when you take 28 goals or I don't know how many goals last season from midfield out of a team I would be asking the same question if I wasn't involved but People have to, as you said, go with the stats of the season. I think we scored more goals this at this stage of the season, this season than last season. You know, um, people are on about our home form, but it's, it's, sometimes it's hard when teams come and just sit eleven in behind the ball. It's hard to move it quick sometimes on our, our our pitch. So as you can see with the results, there's always an onus on on the home team to come out and attack a bit, and that's what teams do when we play away from home and leave space for us. And I think we've scored three away, two, four goals twice, two tonight. You know. 
so it gives us a bit more freedom playing away from home and we're you know we're we're, we're more prolific away from home at, at the moment is that why you seem to enjoy playing away from home that bit more it's nothing to do with the pitch in Oriel Park it's just that there is more space you can do what you want to do yeah definitely yeah, I think there's definitely an element of that there's no matter how much a home team is an underdog there's always a bit of an onus on them from their home supporters to go and have a goal they'll get on their back otherwise so they do have a far more of a go you know and they're playing at home against us and that creates space for us and you know any team to come like we'd fancy ourselves any team that attacks us or plays football against us we'd fancy ourselves in this league to beat anyone you know and I think that's shown Pats do it all the time they come and play home or away and you know we have a good record against them you know Rovers done it tonight they, they didn't sit in or that you know and as I said if teams do that we fancy ourselves all the time to come out on top well, we mightn't come out on top all the time but 9 times out of 10 we're, we're, we're very confident that we will Bowls up next it doesn't look particularly good for you as we speak injury wise what are you like on the sidelines? Uh, I'm not bad. I'm used to it at this stage. I had a few bad injuries. Um, Bowes is going to be a very tough game. Always give us a tough game at Daily Mount. We scored a last-minute equaliser last season against them um, to draw the game to all. You know, so it's going to be a very tough game. They're always tough to beat at Daily Mount, but you know we're going into it with confidence now after a good win tonight, and uh, hopefully we keep it going. I went among your fans uh, at halftime and asked them what their favourite away venue was. What's your favourite away venue and why? Uh, Tala would be up there because it's lovely playing surface. Uh, my favourite would probably be Richmond, Richmond Park because it's nice and nice and tight. Uh, the supporters are in on top of you. The surface is always good and there's always good atmosphere. So I'd say Richmond's probably my favourite one. Yeah. You scored there recently as well, which I guess helps. Yeah, that would help. You know, wherever you score, you have fond memories. But even before that, I would have always enjoyed playing at Richmond. Yeah, a lot of time for Stephen O'Donnell. He's got a great head for the game and a fantastic pair he is too. And since we do this live and we don't record bits and patch it together later. You've obviously heard the Stephen O'Donnell piece that we just played. Mm. What was your favourite part? Your questions. Did you think it was odd that he brought up a kangaroo in a League of Ireland chat? No, but I did think he was uh, fairly measured in his appraisal of life post Richie Towell. And yeah, they've done all right. And Ronan Finn's a person who's really stepped up for them in the last couple of games. Did you actually listen to this interview? Yeah, I did actually, yeah. Oh, did you? Okay, well done. Listen to it outside the office. Wow. Yeah. What a nerd. I mm. thought no one listened to the stuff I sent in from League of Ireland matches. There you go. That's me. I was listening the, to it. Wow. I care. Somebody around here cares. Even if you have depressed me heading into that Stephen O'Donnell piece. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. It is a busy week yet again. And Friday night dominates the fixture landscape in the Premier Division. And a couple of big ties to look forward to as well. Yes. Bohemians hosting Dundalk at Daily Mount. Cork City up against St. Pat's at Turner's Cross. Fortress Turner's Cross, as Stephen Beatty said earlier on. Well, he didn't actually say that, but... He indicated it. He alluded to it. He it kind of said it eyes. with his eyes. Yeah. yeah, he said it with his eyes. Derry City hosting Sligo Rovers, so no travel for Derry this week. Kenny Shields will be very happy with that. Galway United up against Longford. Shamrock Rovers taking on Bray and Wexford hosting Finn Harps. The Shamrock Rovers and the Wexford matches on at 8 o'clock. In the first division, Drogheda meet Cove Ramblers and Shelburne take on Athlone. It's a kind of a best of the rest thing developing in the first division because Limerick are 10 points clear after 8 games. Cove Same. Ramblers are second on 14. Drogheda a third on 12 points. Drogheda, as Paul Cook used to call them. He's guided Portsmouth into the League 2 playoffs, by the way. Uh, in the first division, Cabin Teeley taking on UCD, who are fourth at the moment there on 11 points. And uh, Limerick hosting Waterford United at the Markets Field. That one kicks off at 6.30. Waterford United could do with the win there on seven points. And they're seven off second place Cove because let's face it, if you're not Limerick, you're chasing that second position at the it's moment. It's okay though, Roddy's white collar boxing match with John Delaney is going to save everything. Balls in your court, JD. Yes, 
footballs in your court. Calling you out, JD. As always, if we didn't talk about your club or team in depth this week, it is because your minnows. We just don't rate you. Yeah. We we act. You're right. Dublin hates you. Yeah, yeah. Oshin also thinks that your club, much like Bray Wanderers, should go down. Oshin's thoughts, not mine. I want to troll your club. I want to turn up outside mocking your club. That's what I want to do. I don't want to cyber bully. I've seen him do it. (laughs) I have done it. it. I have done it. As ever, if you want to get in contact with either of us, and God knows why you would, via Twitter, it's at Richie McCormick. And at Oshin Langan. I will talk to you again next week. Good luck. Bye-bye.